bring forward next Saturday night. Well, as the guys mentioned, we just came back from Bethany and the Remnant Conference. Uh, Remnant uh, is a movement that Pastor Larry Stockstill has implemented. It's not quite a year old. Uh, I am one of the reps for that movement. I'm the South Carolina rep for uh, Remnant Conference, and uh, it was amazing. It was overwhelming. There were approximately a thousand pastors. Uh, if you could imagine, a thousand pastors gathered together and uh, worshiping God, listening to His voice. We had a set of amazing speakers that shared with us. Uh, they mentioned Dino Rizzo of Healing Place, just a powerful. He, I, I, if I went through each one, I could just tell you it was it just it just wrecked me. Every single one. It was as if God was using a megaphone, saying, "All right, I got you away, and I'm going to say something to you." So, a powerful word. Robert Morris. Some of you, have any of you seen The Blessed Life or read the book, The Blessed Life? He has an anointing to talk about finances in a way that is disarming and revelational and powerful. Um, again, Pastor Larry, Pastor Joel Stockstill, uh, Jonathan Stockstill, all of them sharing. Uh, Pastor Dag uh, Heward Mills talked on loyalty, disloyalty. Uh, he's from Ghana. Amazing uh, word as well. And so uh, just getting away like that, again, I just want to remind you, when I get away like that, it's like I get to go to church. It's like my church. And the presence of God and, and, and the fellowship with people from all over the nation and uh, to feel like uh, I went up into the mountain. I think I posted on a blog or Facebook. I had to go to the swamp to go to the mountain because I went to Louisiana to get to the mountaintop. And then, of course, uh, I don't mean any offense by this, but it's like when you've been to the mountaintop, you say, now i got to go home. <laughs> and it's not that uh, I don't love, obviously, my household and family and wife and don't love you all, but it's just, it's just neat to be able to find those mountaintop experiences. One night, I sat down after the service. I don't know what was going through Tyler and Noah at the time, but I remember looking over, Noah was sitting next to me, and I said, I just have to sit here and soak for a moment. Um, and let all of this register. Uh, I, I, the, the, you can't see our problem is, is that we get revelation and then we're just off to our next thing and it never gets a chance to soak in us. We've got to be more like sponges and, and we've got to soak some things in. And I could not believe just the level of revelation. And for those of you, you've heard me say this before and some of you have experienced, but it's like you're hearing a message and at the same time, you're getting another message. And, and, and I guess maybe I just have the capacity. You know, I like watching cable news, and you can see the guy doing the cable news, and then they're running three screens on the side and this ticker tape down the bottom. I love that. I mean, throw it at me. I mean, I can, and it just keeps my mind engaged. And that's kind of how I felt uh, what was going on. It was like I'm hearing this message that's incredible and important, and then I'm getting this secondary message that God's talking to me about. And then to enter into worship times where you sense, and, and, and I'm, when I say sense, I'm just not talking mystical, spiritual. I'm talking about kabod, which is the Hebrew word for glory, which actually means weighty. And you could literally lift your hands in the air and you could feel the weight of God's presence on your own hands. I wish that's what I wanted to go to the resource table and buy. And bring it home in boxes for everybody. Um, but 
we have to cultivate that. Are you following me? And we're getting there. That's the good news. The good news is, is that we may not be where we want to be, but we weren't, we aren't where we were. And, and there is that sense of God's presence that's being cultivated here in this local church. And I thank God for that. In, in fact, as Noah mentioned, um, these are really, really, really good days for us. And my prayer has been before the Lord. Lord, help me not to mess it up. Just help me not to mess it up. And so uh, you keep praying for that as well. And we'll keep believing that God does great things in us as well. For those of you that have not heard about Remnant, let me just talk about that quickly. I know if you came for a, a message, come next week and I'll give you a, a great one. Um, but I just want to share some things. Is it okay if pastor just testifies on occasion? I mean, there's a message in here somewhere if you've got ears to hear. So he didn't preach a message today. Well, you, no, God was giving one. You didn't hear it. The remnant movement is really a gathering of pastors that are committed to holiness, the harvest, and the power of the Holy Spirit. And it is just neat to connect with a growing group of men and women that are committed to to shaking off the shenanigans and the silliness of charismatic circles and not backing off from the power of the Holy Spirit and the things of the Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit, but, but to begin to build credibility back through our integrity and our character and live in holiness. Holiness is in the Scripture. There's so much holiness in the Scripture, it's spilled out on the cover. Holy Bible. And, and it's going to take me weeks to digest and assimilate. And I'm sure I'll be sharing numbers of things along the way that uh, God spoke to me uh, during this time period. We went away for three days. And you know what? God can still do some amazing things in three days. We're entering into resurrection season. Reminding us that God can do amazing things in three days. That's why we have encounters. God can do amazing things in three days. And uh, I feel like, what a little like the Lord, not that I, I would even begin to compare myself with him, but I remember on one occasion he looked at the disciples and Jesus said, I have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. And that's kind of how I feel. I feel like if I just got up here and dumped the truck, it would be like, oh my. How can, how can we even begin to do all of this? But the Holy Spirit is faithful and He is going to lead us into some things over the next months and years and, uh, it, it's going to be a great journey. Some things that get shared at events like these are for me personally because I still need to hear from God personally. I'm, I'm still a human being. I'm still, you know, I get up in the morning, take a shower, praise God. You know, I got to get dressed. I really, and, and truth of the matter is, I put my pants on like every other human being puts his pants on, gets up, gets going. I'm a human being with all the, the, the challenges and emotions and things that happen in a human being. And you know what? I need to hear from God too. Just for me. And some of the things that I received were for us. Because I'm a pastor as well. And, and so, you know, you have to kind of work through, is this for me or is this for all of us? And some things are for the future. Some things are words of affirmation. Some are words of correction. Hallelujah. Hey, if you want to walk with God, you got to get corrected. If you don't think you don't need corrected, then we ought to be worshiping you. Truth of the matter, if, if that's the truth. 
We all need corrected. Some were for pastors only. Some of the stuff we learned, I mean, it's probably not for the sheep. It's just for pastors. And some is for everyone. So so I'm going to be sharing numbers of things along the way, I assure you. And and I bought. I, I started writing notes, and I was writing copious notes down. I mean, just... And finally, I reached the place where I said, I'm just buying the DVD. I mean, I, I just it's too much that I'm going to lose if I just don't get... So I got the DVDs to the whole deal. And so we'll be sharing, I'm sure, some of those things as well. But I was thinking as I was coming home that uh, I would need to prepare for this morning. And I knew that we were in the middle of a current sermon series that we called Inside Out. Inside Out. And that's what I felt like happened to me this week. I was turned inside out. And I want to share what I want to share with you this morning is not so much a message from the conference per se, but it was a message that I got from the Lord regarding me mostly. So what I'm going to preach to you today is is really me preaching about some things that God did in me and that maybe he'll speak to you through that. And uh, that's where revival starts. You understand, if you, if you want revival, if you want God to move, it starts in you. You, you can pray for other people and you can want good things for other people, but you, you gotta make a revival circle and then you gotta step in the middle of it. And when you say, God, send revival or, or send an anointing or send your glory or just send resource, I mean, it's gotta start in you. And, and, and to be candid with you, um, as, as I pastor you and I pastor this local church, I'm well aware of the fact that a lot of things start in the head and then they begin to move down. Psalm, 133 talks about how the oil flows over Aaron's head and goes down his cloak, down to the bottom. And I, and I believe God works that way at times. He works things in the shepherd, the shepherds. He works things in them and then it begins to, to flow out of them into the life of the body. And I just, I just honestly believe it works that way. And, and sometimes I don't like that because truth of the matter is what that says is if it ain't happening, then maybe I need to look at me. Kind of puts you on the spot, doesn't it? So uh, I just want to share some of that because I think if if you're encouraged that that God may be doing something important in me, that the good news of that is that I believe God's going to work it out and get to every one of you. I believe that. How many of you know that that your pastor is kind of like teacher slash prophet? <laughs> Have you figured that one out yet? I see everything in an outline. I mean, everywhere I go, I can outline it. I mean, it doesn't matter. I can, I can hear messages, and, and there were lots of messages that didn't have an outline, and the whole time I'm sitting there outlining it in my notes, even though they didn't have an outline. And that's just how I see the world. That's how I see life. Tracy, on the other hand, I mean, I mean, people love her. She's a great teacher, and, and we learn things, but, but we laugh about it in our household. She doesn't see an outline. She just kind of, she kind of sees it in a, in a different way. That doesn't make one better or, 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 or one diminished. It just means we all need one another. Amen? And I just happen to see things in an outline. And, and because of that, um, I like teaching people, and I know that people need to be taught. Isn't that true? But I, I am seeing some things that I want to share with you this morning that simply cannot be taught. There are things you simply cannot be taught into. Wouldn't it be great if you could be taught into everything? I, I wish that were true. I wish, I wish I could, 
I wish I could just teach people into using common sense. But there are some people, they're just, they're never going to have a lick of common sense all the days of their life because it's like something that just, they just have to sort of catch and learn and, 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 and experience along the way. And, and so we just can't be taught absolutely everything, especially in the kingdom. I, I believe in teaching. Teaching's important. We get a lot of things through teaching. It doesn't mean we quit teaching. But wouldn't it be great if we could just teach our way into revival? I mean, America would be in revival right now, wouldn't we? I mean, you could go to any Christian television station right now and they're offering some tape series with regards to getting God to move in your life. And if you just read or listen to this tape series or whatever it may be, God will begin to move in your life. Well, wouldn't that be great? I've got tape series. I have shelves dedicated to tape series. But everything that those tape series said they would do, I can't always say and testify truthfully that it's, that it's always happening in my life. The reason is you can't be taught into everything. I wish I could just teach you into revival. I wish I could teach you into anointing. I wish I could teach you into the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I mean, we would be in a move of God if it were up to teaching because I think I've taught about those things. But the Lord began to show me not everything is taught. Some things are caught. You just got to catch them in your spirit. On the way out to Baton Rouge... Um, we flew out there and, uh, we got on our airplane and every single, uh, flight that we were on was absolutely crowded to the max. In fact, we started to laugh as we were coming home because they would always announce that, that your flight has been oversold. Everything. It was just the spirit of oversold was on everything. I mean, it, you're, you're, and, and so then they were giving things away. They would give you this or they would give you that. And what was really funny is, is that nobody would move and they, and you could see what was happening is that people were waiting as it would get closer to departure time that you could work more out of them. I mean, like they'd start out at about a hundred bucks or a ticket and uh, maybe a voucher for some food. And by the time it was done, man, there were people getting $400 cash, a ticket anywhere in the world, and all sorts of things. And I thought, that's the way you do this deal. So, But, there, but every, every flight is packed to the gills. And on the first flight that I got on going to Baton Rouge, you see, I, I was going to conference before I ever got to conference. And I was sitting in the seat... And everybody's coming in, and we're all just, you know, how it is. Everybody's working their way into their seat. And on my first flight, there was a mom that came in with two kids. And she sat. You could see everybody on the plane. They, 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 it, got a, it was a spiritual moment on that Delta flight because everyone's praying, please don't have her sit next to me. Please, please don't let her sit next to me. Well, she didn't sit next to me. She sat behind me. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And um, one of the children was screaming the whole time, and the other one she had on her lap, and the whole time to Atlanta on the back of my seat. Now, this is really hard because I'm leaving Charleston, and you got to understand the way a pastor has to think. Because I'm sitting there, my wife knows exactly what a pastor has to think because I'm sitting there thinking... People might know me on this flight. I don't, you know, you know, I've been here long enough and, and, you know, you know, I've had my picture on the front page of the paper and all that, you know, people know me. And, and so, so I got to be careful that I just don't turn around and say, lady, just take care of your kid. You just can't do that. 
So I knew it was going to be short. The other kids screaming. And I, and I kind of felt compassionate for her. And so I just, I just let it go. But can I tell you, that'll test you, though. That's a test right there. That'll test you. So I was grateful to get off, get to my connecting flight going to Baton Rouge. And it was my second flight. Again, packed to the gills. It's one of those smaller jets. And so what they do on smaller jets is they make the seats even smaller. Now, listen, listen, I, I've cut a few pounds, and, and, but I barely fit into the seat. And, I, and it's not like I'm this gigantic. I mean, I, I may be, you may think I'm a big guy. Maybe I am big boned. I don't know. Maybe I'm fooling myself. Maybe that. But I, would, I could barely fit in the seat. That's how small I am. And I don't consider myself, you know, fitting into this obese category. There are only two seats, and I sat next to this big guy. He was a big guy. And so we're getting into our seat. And so he's right ahead of me. And he gets into the seat. He plops down into his seat. And he gets the thing. I I thought maybe he hadn't flown before. He gets everything all, you know, settled real quick. And and there I am. I'm I'm fixing to get into my seat, which is now about three quarters the size it it was. Because we weren't going to get the armrest down. It was in between the seats. Now, there's a word in here for somebody. I couldn't get that down. And um, so I was looking, first I was looking in my seat, and I only had half a seat belt. Because he had, he had sat on his seat belt, but he had taken my seat belt, see. And, and, and so I had to say, excuse me, sir, I, I, we're going to have to, could you lift? Could you, could you, I mean, how do you say to that to somebody? You want to say lift your leg, or do you just kind of? To move a little bit, so uh, so anyway, um, they moved a little bit, and and he moved, and and we were able to find the the, the seat belt and got it hooked up together, and um, then I was sitting there on this flight, and as as we took off, we took off. He dropped down his tray, and uh, then he brought out this book, and he was really intently reading this book, and he and and he was underlining in this book. About every, in fact, he was underlining about every other sentence in this book. And I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And, 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 and I, I, almost, I almost just started talking to him, but it was like the Holy Spirit said, just wait. Just wait. So I'm just kind of looking, and pretty soon I noticed, because I was able to just kind of look, he was reading a book on evangelism. Evangelism. I mean, he's just reading this book. And he's just writing away. But the problem was, you see, because of the, the size and because of sitting in the seat, every time he'd start underlining, he'd jab me. He'd jab me. But you can't say anything because it's like a book on evangelism. <laughs> like, what are you going to say? Quit jabbing me when you're reading that book on evangelism. Like, and, and then to find out, you know, like you're a pastor. Well, I, I, I kind of thought maybe he was going to the same conference. I didn't, I, I, I really, I didn't know. But I just knew that every other sentence he'd underline and I'd get hit. And then I started interceding saying, Holy Ghost, would you not talk to him every other sentence? And would you just like, maybe you could talk to him once a chapter or something like that. I mean, I'm, these are things that are going on in my mind. We're about halfway through the flight, and all of a sudden he puts the book up, and, and, and internally I'm going, God. So, but then I didn't, he brought his lunch. And so he's, he's got, I mean, he's got a sub sandwich. He's got the pickle. He's got the chips. He's, he's got the cookie. 
He's got the big old thing of, uh, of juice that he's got. And he's, and he had, let me tell you this, I don't know what kind of sub he got, but there were a lot of onions on that sub. That, I'll just tell you. And, and so he's, now, and this is, you know, and he's a big guy. I'm not, I'm not making fun that he's a big guy, but he's just a big guy. And, and, but he, he's one of those guys that he eats a sandwich. <laughs> Hallelujah. Finally, he got done with all of his sandwich and his cookie. And, you know, he'd eat a sandwich, put it down, his, wipe himself off, pick something else up. And just, you know, it was. Got done with that, got it all put away. Laura will appreciate this. The lady, you know, the flight attendant comes through picking up all the trash. And he had so much trash there. He just filled up the whole thing right there, man. It was, you know. And, and, then, and then what does he do? He pulls out his book on evangelism again. And he's just, he's just, he's just, God's really talking to him now because he's full. You say, well, what was that all about? Because, because really, I was going to say, because I figured he was going to the same conference I was going to, so I really was going to say something, and, and, and as it turned out, he wasn't at the same conference I was going to, but, but I, I just waited. I did feel like there was just a wait there, and the Lord seemed to say this to me. This is, this is before I got through everything and got to assimilate everything. It's as if the Lord said, Kevin, that's my church. Ever learning but never getting it. We underline books, but we don't underscore people. You feed your face, but you don't nourish your soul. You know your rights in me, but you never want to be like me. You read books about the harvest, but I'm looking for living epistles who whose lives can be read by all. And you know the crux of what we've been talking about on this inner man has been really, how do I get what God has put in me out of me? How do I see miracles? How do I get my joy and my peace and my hope that's inside of me and inside of my inner man out of me again? How does the exceeding abundant happen? How can my spirit rule my life? Because right now it seems like it's either my senses or my, or my soul. How, how can we get God ruling Again in my life, and, and as all of this was going on, the Lord just that quick reminded me. It's not something I needed to know new. It's just something that was reminded me right there, and it was reminded to me all the days I was away. There is only one way for God to move in our lives, and I cannot teach you into it. I cannot give you an outline that will bring you to the place where you finally get it. It's something that has to happen experientially. The only way it happens to see God's greatness and bigness and awesomeness begin to be poured out of our lives. The only way it's going to happen, if you want to write one word down this morning, write this word down. Brokenness. Brokenness. The word brokenness. Really, it's the biblical word for what we might use as yieldedness. There are times the Bible even refers to it as a crucifixion of oneself. It doesn't mean you are personally dying. Jesus died so you don't have to. But there is an appropriate understanding that for us to have the life of Jesus flown out of it, we've got to die to our selfish behavior. We've got to die 
to our self-centeredness. We've got to die to all the self things in our life. And, and, and crucifixion of self really means brokenness. Brokenness. Guys, flash Galatians 2.20 up there real quick. Galatians 2.20 says this. I have been, Paul says, crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live. But Christ lives in me. How do I get what's in me, out of me? Being crucified with Him, where it says, In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave Himself for me. Flash over to Romans 12 now, verses 1 and 2. Romans 12, 1 and 2. He says this, Paul, I beseech you therefore, brethren. Everyone say, that means me. See, he's not talking to the world, he's talking to the church. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, say that's me, Present your bodies a living, what? Holy, acceptable to God. This is what he's saying. He's saying there comes a moment that you don't give God just your dirty laundry. You're not just giving God your sins. Isn't that a great deal? Actually, think about that. Wasn't that a great deal when you got saved? That you had all these sins, all these blemishes, all of these problems, all these these hang-ups, all these addictions, all these bondages, all these issues. Isn't it a cool thing to know that I get to give Jesus all my dirty laundry? Can I hear an amen? You take my dirty laundry. Hallelujah, Jesus took my dirty laundry. But here's our problem. The problem isn't that we don't mind giving Him our dirty laundry. The problem is, is that we present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which means this, that the best there is in me and the greatness there is in me, and the potential that there is in me, and the good stuff that's still in me, and all the things that are really, I like about me, and it's neat about me. God says, can you give that to me? Can you give that to me? Which is, he says, your reasonable service. That's not unreasonable. It's not like, well, who's God to ask for that? God. That's who he is. Keep going. Verse 2. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? That you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I'll stop there. Thanks, Jerry. For a lot of Christians, brokenness and yieldedness has happened with regards to major sin issues. In other words, a lot of times sin will lead us to destruction Sin leads us to heartache and, and all sorts of things. And, and, and so we, we'll get to the place where life just breaks us. Bad things have happened. And, and we're, we're broken in the sense that my life's falling apart. And I've made bad decisions. And everything is just disheveled all over the place. And, and so we can give a sense of brokenness to the Lord with regards to the major sin issues, but Christ-likeness and divine life happen when we are willing to yield our rights when we have every right to feel or do something. When we have the right to yell at the mother behind us who's carrying the two kids on the plane, that really I have no idea why she's flying to where she's flying. It's just annoying me. It's just, it's just causing me an inconvenience. I don't like kids hitting on the back of my seat. And, 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 and I have a right. I purchased the seat. I have a right to fly in comfort. Those are my rights. Yes, they are your rights. But there comes a moment when you die to yourself that you yield that. 
I yield my rights. I yield it. I have the right to feel that way, but I, I yield my rights. And truth is, I can teach that and others can teach me, but for the most part, we don't get it until somehow we're sitting in the seat and the kid's kicking our seat. We don't get it till we get in the car and somebody cuts us off on the highway. We don't get it till we go to the grocery store and somebody slips in ahead of us when it was our turn to be checked out. We don't get it. We, we don't get it. You see, we teach thousands of sermons and we don't get it until that moment comes. That moment comes when we have every right to feel like we feel, but at that moment, it's as if God says, are you willing to be broken and yield your rights? See, truth of the matter is, most of us, we don't like to suffer. Isn't that true? I don't know about you, suffering is not high on my priority list for this week. I don't have on my to-do list suffer. Suffer, you know, go to Office Depot, you know, prepare for the next lesson. That's just not how it works in my life. As a matter of fact, most of us didn't think that's what we were signing up for when we met, when we met Jesus. We, we, we were already suffering. Is that not true? Most of us came to Jesus because we're already suffering. We were hoping he could get us out of this suffering deal. And what we didn't realize was that there is a suffering, yes, from the effects of sin that will lead us to destruction. But the Bible teaches us that there is a suffering for righteousness sake that leads to a blessing that few people ever apprehend despite the word promising it along with a blessing. Because we just feel like suffering isn't what God has called me to do. That's not my calling. Well, suffering is just not my calling. And, and we've lost it, and we don't realize that, that suffering is essential because suffering, friends, listen to me, suffering, suffering as he's underlining, suffering as he's eating, suffering as they're kicking, suffering in the line, suffering on the highway, that suffering is bringing you to brokenness, which God will use to bring his greatness. And that's the part we don't get, nor do we think it's really biblical, despite the fact Jesus says things like, he who is first shall be... And he who is last shall be. If they want your coat, give them your shirt also. If they want to go you one mile, go with you one mile, go the extra mile. Is that not true? Now don't misunderstand me. I love the favor of God. I'm just talking about me now. Y'all know I haven't talked about you. I'm just talking about me. I sure do like the favor of God. And you know what? I, I just admit to you, I like the favor of man too. But it's through our suffering that we reign. Jesus didn't reign when thousands were running after him. He reigned when he was suffering. That's why the Bible says things like in Psalm 51, 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not despise. Psalmist also said, the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and save such as have a contrite spirit. See, God loves it when you praise him. He loves it when you have your confidence and your assurance in him. These things are true in the scripture. But there is something supernatural that happens when he finds a contrite heart. We have a story that we share 
in our school of ministry here, we used to call it school of leaders. If you come, and we'll be starting that in a, in a number of weeks here, they'll, they'll be starting again. But one of the stories we tell in there, and it was reminded as I was listening to Tracy's message last Wednesday, is that story about the two horses. I can't tell you the whole story, and, and you'll get to read it again, but basically it's a story about two horses. One of the horses wants to run free in, in, without being fenced in, without being reeled in. He just wants to be able to run through the woods and the prairies and the fields, never being ridden, never being harnessed, never being touched. The other horse is captured, and as he's captured, he goes through this rigorous training program where they put a bit into his mouth. And as they put a bit into his mouth, riders jump on top of him and they begin to ride him, take him through this process where all that wildness that he'd experienced and the, and, and the supposed freedom that he had was being what they called broken. You know what you do to a horse to make it profitable? You break them. That's what it's literally called. You ride it and ride it and ride it and keep that bit in their mouth until they are broken. And the whole point of the story is there came a day when the horse that went through the breaking process was hitched up to a team of horses that were, that were, that were beautifully attired, that had the, the, the plums and, and, and all the things that they would put on the horses that would make them look beautiful and fantastic. And they hooked it up to this beautiful carriage. And this team of horses, as they were broken, were the ones that were used to carry the master, the king. And suddenly the one who had all this freedom shows up one day and he sees his old friend marching in this parade carrying the king. And the horse that had his supposed freedom says, I want to do that. And the answer comes back, you can't do this. The king can't use you this way because you were never broken. You were never broken. Can I just be the first one to start the confession line this morning? It's just about me. I'm not talking about you now. I don't think for me, and, and, and I'll just say for probably any of us, that we are nearly as broken as we think we are. It's kind of like humility. If you stand up and say, oh, I'm humble, I can tell you right now. <laughs> if I were to say, hey, let's have the humble line right here, and everybody, you know, you got a whole bunch of people, eh, I'm humble. I, can, can I just say, probably not as much as you think. We're probably not as broken as much as we think. I was watching a video this past week from Dag Mills, who's a bishop in Ghana, has over 1,100 churches in his oversight. And it was a video about crusades in Africa. And as they would pan the camera, you would see literally, I'm not talking thousands, I'm talking tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people who didn't take a bus to get there. They, they didn't fly in for the conference. They walked for hours and days to sit for hours and days in hot, we're talking Ghana, Africa, hot outside venues, sitting there as this camera's panning, and, 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 and then all of a sudden, we see Jesus doing these incredible miracles for them, and yet, listen to me, and, 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 I, and I love you, and I'm an American myself, but we have difficulty with clocks. It's too long. What happened to the HVAC unit? Pastor's a little long-winded today. 
Music, well, music was just there. It could use a little help. And we wonder why God doesn't move in our midst. We carry our little petty offenses with us. The reason being is because we don't have to walk hours and days to get rid of them. We wear our silly feelings on our shirt sleeves. We have no patience. We have no forbearance. We have no love. We have no mercy. We have no truth. We have no grace. We have no meekness. We have no gentleness. No faithfulness. No kindness. No self-control. I mean, guys, we wouldn't make it in Ghana. And so what we say is we say, well, yo, God's called me to America. Well, isn't that convenient? Praise God you were born here and I was too. But I'm just here to tell you, we wonder why. It's because there's something in their lives that have been, that have been broken to the need for all the stuff we've got to have. Can I go back to the jet ride? Next encounter, I'm gonna, I'm gonna deal with the jet ride. I just... God's just dealing with me, man. He's dealing with me all week and working through things like this. And I thought to myself, boy, I am so glad that I didn't say anything. I am so glad that I didn't say to that mom with the kids, hey, could you keep your kid controlled? Or I'm glad, I'm just so glad at that moment. I'm not saying I didn't have a right to and it maybe could have been presented in a nice way. I'm not saying that that may not have to happen someday. I'm not saying that it's just forever. I just, you know, Jesus isn't calling us to be doormats either, okay? So, so you, you gotta have a sensitivity to the Holy Spirit. But, but at that moment, I knew God was just saying, just, just keep it quiet. Just keep the quiet for a minute. And, and, and so I was just happy that I just, you know, I got through, boy, I'm so glad Holy Ghost, I got through that one. Because I'd have felt really terrible right now if I'd have said something to this guy studying his evangelism book as he's elbowing me to say, hey dude, quit, quit, you know, I'd, I'd have felt bad. And as if the Spirit of God said yes, Yes, that's good. That's a start. Don't you hate it when God says that's a start? Because I'm always waiting for the, I'm, I'm there. But this is what the Lord said. He said, but you were still demanding your way in your heart. You see, this is the part that started to work on me. Sometimes you can act right, but your heart's wrong. I think my wife said it the best when she said, you know, sometimes we can be sitting on the outside, but we're standing on the inside. Do you think we're faking God out? I mean, really, because I know we use that term, oh, God knows my heart. God knows, you know, whenever we're getting nailed and we don't want to get nailed or get out of it and we're trying to wriggle our way out of it, we always use that phrase, oh, well, God knows my heart. God knows my heart. I didn't mean anything by it. God knows my heart. Yeah, the problem is, though, he really does. You're just saying it because you think you can snow him. You ever remember what Jesus said when he looked at people and he said this? He said, if you're angry at your brother or you're angry at someone, you've already committed murder. Remember that? And then he takes it up to another level. He says, if you've lusted in your heart, you've already committed adultery. Hey, I don't know if you've thought about that because I guess probably I think nobody get mad at me. I think kind of he's working with men and women. I mean, maybe women don't struggle with lust issues as much as men. Some do, I know. I know a lot of men do. But I know a lot of times a lot of women have anger issues. 
And guys do too. I'm not saying everybody probably fits in here one way or the other. But the point is, man or woman, it doesn't matter. You can be feeling something inside and you can still do it right on the outside. But Jesus is saying there, it don't matter altogether what you do on the outside. Praise God you didn't act on it. But truth of the matter is, if it's in there, he says, it's wrong. So despite the fact I I didn't chastise the mom with her kids because I, you know, truth of the matter is I didn't know. Maybe she, maybe her mom passed away and she's going to a funeral. Who knows? I I didn't know. But it it didn't matter that I just didn't act on it. it. It matters as to what is in here because God is all about the heart. I know that and say that, but our problem is that we think he really can't see it. And so what we end up doing is we end up having a heart far from God, which is why he said, you worship me with your lips, but your heart is far from me. You know what I think true revival is? I think true revival is when we get a true glimpse of God and then a true glimpse of our heart. Kind of like what happened to Isaiah when he was in the temple and God showed up. And he saw God for all he truly was and all that he truly is. And suddenly he says, woe is me, for I am a man undone. All of a sudden, he'd been prophesied. He was a preacher. He's a pastor. He kind of like me. And all of a sudden he gets before God. And it's not that he hadn't been prophesying right. It's been recorded in the Bible for six chapters. It's not that he's probably doing all that much wrong. Except that there were some things creeping out of his lips that God suddenly took him to task on. And he says, woe is me for I am undone. And to be candid, he goes on to say, I dwell in the midst of a people who are undone. And that's how these last weeks have really been for me. I'm getting a glimpse of God again. And then I'm seeing me. And then all I can do is embrace my Savior. The Lord told me that for me to go forward, it was time to go back. For me to go up, I have to go down. For me to be first, I have to be last. For me to see him move, I have to quit moving. For me to desire the things of his spirit, I have to crucify my flesh. You see, that's something I don't believe really can be taught because I've taught it for years. I've taught you for years. But perhaps this morning, you can begin to catch it with me. There's something I want to do in these last moments. I want to ask, guys, would you come help me? Ed, maybe, Ed, if you'd come help me. Uh, Would you take take this and and move this? And then I want somebody, uh, Wally, help me. Just slip out there real quick. Or Randy or one of you guys, whichever one you want. Slip out and grab me a chair. Just grab me an empty chair. Just just take one off the end. Yeah, it'll look look weird, but it don't matter. Just, Just grab you one there. And I want you to set that, that chair just right where that pulpit was, just right dead center, just, just right even up, scoot it right there. Thank you. Appreciate it, brother. And then, um, Trace, I want you to be the first. I know you have no idea what I'm doing here, do you? I want you to come up here. This isn't a throne, by the way. It's just, it's just, you deserve one. And I just want you to sit there for just a minute. I'm, I'm going to be back. Nobody leave. 
If I come back and you're gone, I have a photographic memory. All right? So nobody goes. Nobody goes. I'll be right there. Can you still hear me? I'm just, I'm just moving through this closet back here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Praise God. How many of you know God's moving back here too? Well, I want you to, it's going to take just a minute. Nobody leaves. That's why you asked if I had boots on. Just, just, I, I, you may have hose on there, it doesn't matter. One be, one's, one's, one's fine. It'll dry, baby. all the times that ministry came first and family came last if it had not been for you with our children we would not be enjoying the fruit of their lives today I was always working for God for so many years I bless you I thank you for your life. I thank you that truth of the matter is anything that really I have in my life is really more to your influence and impact in me than any gift or anointing people think I have. I'm sorry for the times that I wasn't a great dad. And I just want you to know that to the best of my ability... I want to serve you. I want to serve our household. I must decrease and he must increase. For all the other men who maybe who, who maybe didn't do it right with their wives because it flowed from the head. This head this head is changing. Kim, why don't you come real quick? It'll dry. Kaylin, I want you to know that That you, you are our prophetic child. You came because God sent you. And truth of the matter is that you would have a sister today had it not been for things probably 
in my heart that God was trying to teach. I thank you for loving your dad. I thank you for for being an example even when perhaps I've not even been the best. I have you sit here because I can you're the only female other than mom that I can rub their foot. you represent a generation all those youth that are over there you represent a generation that that at times to be candid I thought more about the adults and I thought more about the what was the adults and 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 kids don't give like adults and why do we put so much energy into the next generation and I was wrong and I just want you to know that I want to serve you and I want to do my best to serve another generation Because if I don't hand it off right, then I've left nothing. Just want you to know your dad loves you. Hey, Michael, would you come on down for a minute? You aren't wearing hose, are you? <laughs> I can probably take your sock off, can't I? Michael, the people in this congregation probably don't know all the mileage you and I have together. And uh, while I was away, the Lord showed me that there are, there are two basins at the end of the Lord's life. There was a basin that he used to wash people's feet, and there was a basin that Pilate used to wash his hands. And... I started to think of you. And no, no one will ever know the emails that we sent back and forth to each other. No one will ever know all that was said. I don't know anymore if I even had a right. But truth of the matter is, I don't have any rights. And the reason our relationship is where it is today, I want you to know, it's because you were a pursuer. Because I, I had my hands in another basin when it came to you. I, I was ready to wash my hands. But you stuck it out. And you represent all the people through the years that I've just washed my hands of. And that I should have loved the next mile. And I should have given him my coat also. And I should have turned the other cheek. And so I, I just, I bless you. And I, I'm just this morning getting it right before God. And saying thank you personally. 
And just letting you know that the only basin I'm going to carry anymore is the one that's in front of you. Where's Tim? This one I've really worked through because I know where them feet have been. I just want to say for all that you represent personally and, and, and you represent some in this congregation that you've been exceedingly loyal and you've worked behind the scenes and you've done it with joy and there were moments when I needed someone to support me and you were always there And uh, whether you've ever felt this way or not, I'm setting it straight in my heart. That servants, servants are honored. Servants are honored. And I guess you represent, at least to me, and this is in a good way, just the ordinary everyday people. You're not the Kiwa people the Seabrook people or the downtown people. You're just good, faithful, ordinary people that God uses to do great things in. And I just want you to know that it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter where we end up. I want people like you. God sent me to serve people like you. And I just want you to know I love you. I love your family. I love all of the folks that, that are just like you and that you represent. Amen. Amen. I need to pull one more person out. Honey, you're going to have to help me with this one, okay? Because uh, I tried to find one that was a, a gentleman, but I, but I can't find a gentleman. And I'm, I'm going to put this person on the spot right now. I'm going to believe that they'll love me anyway. I hope that's the case. But uh, can I ask Evangeline? Can I ask you just to come real quick? I, I know I'm putting you on the spot, and I would never, I'd never do this to you if it weren't for the fact that it's just a sign. And like I said, my wife's going to come help me here for just a moment. But it's real important that I do this one last thing, and then we're done. Have a seat, sweetie. Do you have hose on? It'll dry. I have never knowingly, outwardly, acted in a prejudiced, 
or bigoted way. But I know in my heart that I'm not so blind as to not know that, that I'm affected by my culture and I'm affected by my upbringing and I'm affected by all of these things. And I just wanted to wash your feet today to tell you that no, no more in my heart am I here in any way, shape, or form looking at people, groups, and cultures. And I'm here to serve you. And I'm here to serve your people in whatever way I can. I want you to forgive me for those times in my heart. You know who was kicking me? It was a young black woman and her two children. I don't know if that had anything to do with it or if I just irritated. But the truth of the matter is, I'm smart enough to know I don't know that I always know my heart. But we value you. And we value everyone that would be like you. And we bless you today. And I, I, re I repent before God for the offense and the the culture and the atmosphere that we live in. And we just wash your feet. And we're just, say, we're just here to say we serve you. We serve you. We serve you. In Jesus' name. Lord, could you bring some musicians to me real quick? might maybe needed to do the whole congregation we didn't do that at conference we didn't do anything close to that I'm just doing kind of a prophetic act that I just believe God's using for whatever purposes but if God called us to be something great, then how many of you know we have to be the least? Talking, I'm talking to you men. If you want to be great, I'm telling you, it's time to be least. Talking to you ladies, if you want to be first, you've got to be last. If you want to be called to the front, you've got to learn to sit in the back. God's not going to use the church that struts and is arrogant. God's not going to use the church that is self-consumed and it's all about them. God's going to use the church and He's going to use a people who are broken. That they've truly begun a walk in humility. That doesn't mean that there aren't times that you exercise confidence and authority. The word is true. But this morning, the emphasis on your brokenness and your humility. To sing. And this, this is, is the end. This is the
I'm just asking. I'm asking. I'm asking right now. That that spirit that that confronted me, Lord, would just lovingly just start confronting folk. Lord, it's obvious you're talking to folk already. But Lord, I believe that there's a brokenness that needs to come. I can't teach, I can't teach people to that point. I, I, I can't bring them to the place of whether it be pain or circumstance or whatever turns the light bulb on. Lord, I, I do not have that capacity to do that. If you do not do that, Lord, it will never happen. So Holy Spirit, would you come and do that? Because, because you're looking, really you're looking for people who will be a lot like that alabaster jar perfume. That the moment they're broken, that beautiful fragrance that's inside of them will suddenly be released. Lord, I believe that that there are people here right now that their day of release will never come until they enter into true and complete brokenness. Lord, I, I know that to be true for a church. And that's not our end. That's not the end game. We aren't serving just to get to an end game. We aren't being broken just to get to an end game. Lord, we're doing it because without you, we are nothing. You must increase. We must be. Right now, some of you, there are still some that you just need to slip out. Some of these did it just because God told them to do it. They'll honor their courage and their obedience. And some of you are so obedient to me that you're waiting until I say something. And so I'm just telling you right now that if you need to slip out and, and, and you need to come to this place down here and just say, Lord, I don't know all the pastor may have entered into, but I'm entering into it because I sent your spirit on it for me and my life and my house that's you then then this is open for you this is open for you listen I'm not telling you to go home to wash your wives or your children's feet I mean you do what you need to do whatever God tells you to do I just believe that the Lord is just telling me to do some prophetic acts whether it's planting a cross or washing some feet I just believe he's just calling me to do some prophetic acts that will shift things in the heavenlies over this region and over this body and over over what His will and heart is for this region. So, you've linked up to sort of a crazy time. But those of you that have been with me a long time, you know I, I can do it in an outline, but you know when I do it like this, it has to be the Lord. Isaiah 42 and 3, it says, A bruised reed he will not break. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Brokenness is not my punishment. It is the tool I use to heal you and empower you to live for me. Brokenness, isn't that, this is the, this is the paradox right here. Brokenness brings wholeness in my kingdom. Your brokenness will finally heal you. Your brokenness will will knock the crazy out of you. 
Your brokenness will put everything in order again. Strange thing, isn't it? To be broken and then find order. But that's the way of the master. We're just going to worship just another short moment. And I know, I know, these last few weeks, I know I'm losing people because I'm going too long. I'm sorry, I'm watching people from Ghana walk days. And I'm not trying to stay just for length stake, but folks... We've got to break out of our culture and our mentalities of America and begin to seek God again. Lunch will be there in 15 minutes. Come on, this is our moment for God to do something life-altering, life-changing. God's doing things that will radically revolutionize us forever. Years from now, you'll say, remember that service? It went a little long pastor pulled out pulled out a basin and he washed some feet but I am not the same person you'll never remember the service that ended right on time with just the right lights and just the right words and it got you to the cappuccino bar and you beat the Baptist to Ryan's I can no longer look at other nations of the world and people who have a tenth of what I've got and yet God moves. I don't understand your ways Oh, but I will give you my song I'll give you all of my praise Cause you hold on
Lord, I just believe that your heart today is just to leave in the solemnity of the moment. That you're doing something inside of us that probably can't be wrapped up in one service. You're untangling our views. You're you're untwisting the ways we've twisted the gospel up and twisted everything all up. You're untangling all of these things. And Lord, I, I, I know we didn't get to this place as American Christians overnight. And, and I suspect it's going to take more than one service. So Lord, I'm going to leave this service right where it is in this solemnity and in this reverence. In the weightiness of this moment. Because I believe you're going to say more to us. On Wednesday night, you're going to say more to us. In our connect groups, you're going to say more to us next Sunday. You're going to say more to the youth tonight at Lifehouse. You're going to say things to the kids over there in in Planet Shakers and Little Fishers. That, Lord, you're not going to let us go, but you will be relentless with us. That you might have your bride and that you might have your people. That you can do great things because, Lord, you must increase. And we must decrease. So Lord, let it be so. May Jesus be lifted up. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. And that's who we honor. That's who we revere. And that's who we worship this morning. For it's in the name of Jesus we pray. And all God's people said, Amen. Come on, let's put our hands together, can we? Come on, let's really, let's give him the highest praise. The highest, the highest praise. The highest praise. Yeah. The highest praise. Oh, yeah, it's going to be worth it. It's going to be worth it. Make sure you hug some necks and you shake some hands and you love one another. Tell them that they're a blessing. Encourage them. God bless you. I hope we see you at Connect Groups. Men on Tuesday night with Iron Man. Wednesday night. It's going to be a great service. And of course, the Lord's Day next Sunday. God bless you all. You're released.